Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends, Bo Wolf and Shilkapadia. Coming at you. I am here in my in my kitchen, and on the other line is Shiel, I guess, in his basement. How are you, Shiel? Hey, kitchen, huh? Switching it up. Switching it up. House is, house is empty. Can stretch out a little bit. Okay. Why not? I'm good. How are things going for you? Are you feeling, you feeling uh, the joy of the off-season? Well, my wife said earlier today, thank God you have a podcast today, because I feel like you have a lot to say. So she's been... Uh, working from home remotely, and uh, you know, the past few days I've been walking around, firing off takes left and right, and I think she's uh, ready for someone else to hear them rather than her. Any good ones in particular? No, I don't think so. Just you know, random thoughts pop in my head. There's someone here to listen to them. I share. I share what's in my head. I'll tell you what's been uh, what's been big for me today is um, I got this new pen. It was, I believe it was, it was recommended, if I remember this correctly, I think um, by Ashley Feinberg, the reporter, and uh, I ordered it off Amazon, and it is, it is a delight, this pen, to write with. It is, it is, it has made my entire day. Pilot G2? It's fantastic. It is a Pentel Slicky. Hmm. Don't know it. Ugh. I'm I'm a big flare man myself. Fantastic, this pen. I'm, I'm... I'm, I'm, it feels like I'm writing on clouds. Well, you're ready for the Senior Bowl then. That's right. All right, coming up on the show today, we'll talk about some of the uh, news and notes that's going on with the Eagles that we have heard uh, this week. We had our, our BWF radio, our final BWF radio of the year on Wednesday, but there's still some stuff from uh, Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson and Locker Room Cleanout Day that we can address, and obviously uh, some coaching news for the Eagles that we can talk about. And we will talk about Shields' uh, takeaways, some thoughts on having rewatched the game against the Saints, and then, of course, answering your questions with getting a bird in edgewise. Shields, let's talk, uh, I guess, up top about the news with the coaching staff, as we sort of expected all season long. Uh, Gunter Brewer is indeed out with the Eagles. He moves to Louisville. This will make it four wide receivers coaches in four years for Doug Peterson. It was... I believe Greg Lewis the first year, Mike Groh in year two. He was bumped up to offensive coordinator, then Gunter, and then we will find out uh, who it becomes next, sort of the uh, defense against the dark arts position for this coaching staff. But more of a surprise, the departure of defensive line coach Chris Wilson, who uh, I think by our accounts has done a good job, but his, uh, his contract was up, so we don't know if that is a decision that was made for the Eagles or for uh, Chris Wilson, but he will not be returning, and we don't know who's going to fill in that job. There is a possibility that it could be a bump up for assistant defensive line coach 
Philip Daniels, who's a former NFL player, but uh, that is not confirmed or, or even reported yet. So uh, we'll see. What do you make of these changes? Well, yeah, with Brewer, we had been talking about it for most of the season. Sometimes felt a little bit mean, but it just seemed like that wasn't working It started, I, I think, yeah, I think we, we both sort of uh, stepped off the gas about halfway through the season when it started to just get uh, sort of obvious that, that this was not going to last. Yeah, we didn't want to be mean-spirited about it, but it didn't seem like it was working out really going uh, back as far as training camp. It seemed like Mike Groh was really still handling a lot of that position, at least in the on-field drills. And then during the season, you know, Nelson Aguilar was not playing as well as he had the previous year. They had trouble incorporating Golden Tate into the offense. It seemed like a consistent issue, just getting guys lined up. And so you never know who, you know, it's very hard to gauge the job that assistant coaches are doing. We see certain aspects of it. You talk to players, other people within the organization, you make your own observations, and then you come up with some opinions. But I think you and I, at least, we generally couch those opinions with the fact that there are a lot of factors at play and we don't want to go over the top. But, you know, obviously, I think what we saw, what we heard uh, seemed to be backed up probably by this decision. So that, that was not a shock, and we'll see what they do at that spot. The Chris Wilson one did, did seem surprising only because uh, he's been there. You know, this has been a, a strength of the team. It didn't, there were some, some murmurs about uh, some issues with Michael Bennett earlier this season, but, you know, you didn't know how much of that was him, how much of that was Bennett. Was it a big deal or not, that kind of thing? And we still don't know the answer to those questions. So, yeah, we'll have to see until we get more information on this. I do feel like generally when it's a coach leaving to pursue another opportunity, that information comes out because the you know the organization doesn't want it to seem like uh, they just fired a guy. So that's my initial take on it. But uh, we will see what they do there. If I'm being honest, I feel like that's generally one of the I don't want to see least important. I mean, obviously, assistant coaches are important, but you look at how much money they invest into into the defensive line and uh, the talent there. I don't know that it's like one of the more important positions on the staff. I think I agree with that, and it's it is not a it's you know it's not a it's not a it's not a defense where you've got like defensive linemen dropping into coverage, you know, uh, often. This is like line up and go get them, you know. So. Uh, they're also, as you said, these are mostly high-priced veterans, so it's not like there's a, a ton of work to do with them. But I, I'm a little bit, I am a little bit surprised by it. Chris Wilson in, in an interesting position. I believe his son is is coming out in the draft this year as a uh, a highly rated tight end. So, yeah, that was what know. initial thought I had, and, and you always saw him after games. You know, he was uh, outside the locker room as soon as Peterson's speech was over. I forget who he called if he called uh, if he was calling his son or his wife or what. Um, I always actually wanted to explore that story a little bit. But did you notice that he was always uh, in the tunnel there outside the locker room right after a game mm-hmm. on the phone? I did um, not see, notice that. Okay, yeah, it seemed like some kind. I don't know if it's Near a the observant or, guy. Uh, routine that he had uh, calling someone right away. I, yeah, I thought maybe he wants to just watch his son uh, or something like that. But who knows until we get more information. It's a little bit unclear, but yeah, I do think with the defensive line, you probably want a teacher. You want someone who can develop, you know, maybe some of the younger backups um, on game day. Like you said, I mean, they're rushing with four. Those guys talk to each other about how they want to rush. You have to have some sort of a 
pass rushing plan, all that. But, um, you know, this isn't, I think the secondary coach is more important to the defense uh, for sure. I will tell you, uh, I went through all the wide receiver coaches and defensive line coaches who were on staffs last season. Now, obviously, we would like to see <clears throat> the Eagles look outside the box, specifically in the direction of a uh, Villanova wide receivers head coach. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you look at just the guys who have held those positions last season, there are four wide receivers coaches uh, from last year who are available or likely to be available. Uh, Bob Bicknell, I think we can rule him out. Uh, with the Bengals. Uh, Ben Johnson, I think, uh, with the Dolphins, I think we can probably rule him out. The two interesting ones, uh, and probably the most interesting one, Daryl Hazel from the Vikings, who was there for the last two seasons, so he doesn't get, you know, all the credit for developing Thielen and Diggs, but uh, I guess the Vikings figured that with Kirk Cousins, they don't need a wide receivers coach. And then the other one is Carl Durrell, who was with the Jets and is the former uh, UCLA head coach. And then the other one to mention is uh, Mike McCoy, the uh, fired Cardinals offensive coordinator, former head coach who has coached wide receivers in the past. Hmm. So the Vikings fired their wide receivers coach. Is I believe that... his contract ran out. I think he. Okay. I don't. I think that was. I'm not sure. I think it was a mutual thing. They and I think they have a, a young assistant who they wanted to promote. So. Okay. Something like that. And then on the defensive line, guys. Uh, not a ton of interesting guys, except for Clyde Simmons, of course, the Eagles great, oh, who, was, man. who was with the Browns. So that will be that will be the fan favorite decision. And then you've got, uh, like I said, Philip Daniels is already in house as the assistant guy. Could just be a bump for him. And then you've got guys like Robert Nunn, uh, Jacob Burney, Jeff Zingonina, who was fired by the Forty ers and uh, former head coach and fired defensive coordinator Mike Smith. You could have totally been making up like half those names. I would have no idea. I, I made up one. Okay. That's not true. But I think, uh, I think you're right. The, the, the defensive line one is probably a little bit less interesting. The wide receivers coach, I think, is that, you know, we have been itching for the Eagles to bring in some kind of new mind for the offense, not necessarily above micro, but some, some different voice. This is an opportunity for, for them to fill that position. Sure. Maybe yeah, I think you know it's like a, it's, right. a, it's a you know pass game coordinator slash wide receivers coach some some made up title like that. Yeah, I think you're at a spot where you don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen, but if somebody can bring a little bit more to the table than just coaching the wide receivers and helping with game planning or maybe bringing uh, some scheme ideas or whatever, I think. That would be a plus. I don't have that strong of a feeling about it. So let's see. Uh, I think obviously you want someone who fits into the uh, culture, who is someone who everyone will get along with, that that kind of thing. I think that was their big strength during the Super Bowl year. Maybe a little bit less so this year, although uh, when all was said and done, I think the coaching staff did do a good job. So we'll keep our eye on that and see what direction they go in. You know what else they could do, which I just uh, I just thought about, and I guess this would be a little bit unconventional, but... We know that their plan heading into last season was to make Press Taylor the wide receivers coach. So maybe there's a guy they can bring in as a quarterback's coach, and then they slide Press Taylor back over to the wide receiver room. We do know that? Well, we, we expect that. He was, he was working in the wide receivers room with Mike Rowe. Oh, right. And, we thought, and, and the plan was if they lost Reich or DiFilippo, they would each get bumped up one spot. Grow to quarterbacks. Taylor to wide receivers, they had ended up having to bump them both up two spots. 
Mm, I don't like that idea at all. Okay. I mean, if you press Taylor, you would probably be annoyed by that. Well, yeah, but I mean, they don't have to. It's not their job to do what's best for Press Taylor's. Feelings. It's not. But who? Who do you, do you have? Some great quarterbacks coach that you're going to bring well, in all of a sudden? That's the problem. Is that I don't, there's nobody. There's there's all these uh, all the offensive coordinators in demand are uh, are gone. What they should have done was was brought in uh, Todd Munkin. Last year, his job was offensive coordinator slash wide receivers coach. Mm. Well, he wouldn't get that job here. Okay. Uh, I, I still, I actually still like Press Taylor, so I think I would rather have him stick with the quarterbacks. Okay, I, I like Press Taylor too. I'm not saying I don't like Press Taylor. I'm just okay. trying to trying to find a way to make the pieces fit. Okay. Don't make me. This feels like Press entirely Taylor. too much time spent on the wide receivers and defense. It's the off season. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. Give me something else. I've had enough. All right. You you wrote your ten uh, takeaways. Why don't you just Why don't you just run them <laughs> down then? No, I'm not going to give them away for free to the the non-subscribers out there who think they can just, oh, we'll just listen to the podcast. Why do we need to subscribe? Okay, so what are we we going to not talk about anything for the rest of the show? Yeah, just go right to the mailbag. (laughs) Uh, What what were your big, you know, we heard, uh, I guess, let's start with Howie and Doug. So we heard from them on. I hate that whole setup. That's my biggest takeaway. The whole Mm -hmm. microphone thing. Well, why don't you explain it? For people? Well, usually it's you know you're, you're, the Philadelphia press conference is a bunch of people shouting, and who, whoever shouts loudest or has the best timed shout gets to ask the question. But uh, sometimes on a more formal press conference, they do this thing with uh, like four pass microphones, and when you do that, you don't get a you know you know you don't get a chance to follow up. You only you're only really going to get one question, and uh, frankly, I think we both dropped the ball because you know. If we had known that we were only going to get one question, we wouldn't have wasted it unnecessarily a question that, that would have been asked by someone else. So, you know, my question was, like, are you going to think about a Carson Wentz contract extension? Eh, it wasn't. I mean, someone else was going to ask that. But then we walked out, and very, very sweetly, we both had the exact same question that uh, we were going to ask if we had gotten one more chance, which I think was a better question. You going to say what that was? I'm going to let you say. Hanging? Oh, well, yeah, we were both going to ask Howie Roseman from a team building perspective, given the boom in scoring, the rules that uh, allow offenses to be really dynamic and make it tough to play defense. Has that made you reevaluate the final four teams team? or the four best uh, right. Uh, right DVOA on offense? Yeah. Has that made you reevaluate sort of your team building philosophy, whether it's uh, positional importance or where to invest resources, that kind of thing. Honestly, it probably wouldn't have gotten a good answer, I don't think. No, but I was I was touched that we both had the same thought. I know uh, you're not capable of that emotion, but... Yeah, I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. What did you think of the uh, the attire? Very casual. Howie in a sweater and uh, pant. And Doug, I think Doug was wearing shorts, wasn't he? I mean, I like that move from Doug. This is Doug. Doug does these press conferences all year long. This is no sweat off his back. Yeah, I think he might have just got a workout in, or was about to get a workout in. That might be right. Okay. Um, I thought it was fine. I respect that. There's no need to pretend like this is a big deal. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought I thought Howie was looking kind of swole there. You think he's been hitting the weights? I'm sure that he's been hitting the weights. Really? Is he a big weightlifter? Yeah, I think. Well, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know guy? if he's a big weightlifter, but, I, but I've, you I've saw seen him Howie in, in the gym. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, I thought uh, 
I don't know what workout plan he's on. I thought he was looking very svelte there. Well, listen, I think if you That was are, my big takeaway. I think if you're always fighting uphill against the perception of not being a football guy, you got to do your best to, to spend some time in the gym. That's probably true. That's probably a good point. Um, okay, so the, those were our big takeaways <laughs> from the press. There conference. really wasn't. I mean, uh, the, there wasn't. There the, was. It was such a non-newsy press conference, and that's the I problem mean, with that with that format. Is that is it's hard to get in. A, and there also when there are so many little surface level things that need to be covered, it's hard to it's hard to dive deep on on anything. The one thing that I was you know really looking forward to getting some answers on, even if they would be as. Um, obfuscating as, as possible was on the medical staff because we have not really gotten Howie's answer on why they fired the medical staff after winning the Super Bowl. And then obviously this season they had so many questions with the way that guys' injuries were handled, either not diagnosed like uh, JGI's ACL or all the guys who either came back too soon or uh, re- got re-injured like Jalen Mills, Darren Sproles, Mac Hollins, what happened to him? Sidney Jones came back too soon. The whole, the whole thing with Carson Wentz's knee. There were all these questions about the medical staff. Uh, and how he expressed uh, confidence in this staff, but uh, he did say that the decision to part ways with the former staff was personal in nature uh, on the, the three people who left. I thought Jeff McClain did a good job in the, in the Inquirer of – uh, digging a little bit deeper there, and, and he got some reports that how he thought that some of the former members were responsible for some some leaks. Yes, yeah, media leaks, which I, that was very interesting yeah. uh, to me. Yeah, go I, I would go check out that article. I thought he did a good job on that one, and it has been tough to get answers about why you have a shortened off season. You just won a Super Bowl. They had been a very you know by all the adjusted games lost and those metrics, they had been a relatively healthy team you know there had been certainly had been some issues you know whether it's uh emmanuel acho or jordan matthews i mean there mm-hmm. had been some players calling Earl out Wolf. the previous medical staff for sure so you know we don't want to there there could be some reasons behind the scene it just remains a mystery and i think this offseason let's see what they do you know i, I thought they they didn't sort of bowl me over with the confidence that they have in the medical staff i thought that was i think that's right yeah, they didn't convince me that this is a non-issue and, hey, why are you digging into something? There's nothing there. I didn't get that impression from either Howie or Carson Wentz, who was asked about it uh, by you, I believe, as well. And so I know let's that's right. See, <laughs> let's see what they do. If there are changes, I'm sure they won't sort of publicize them uh, in, a, in a grand manner. But let's see if they make any changes this offseason, whether it's uh, to people they just hired last year whether it's two other people on the staff, whether they just add some bodies, whatever, because I think that will tell us more than what uh, anybody is saying right now. So what were the other sort of surface-level things that uh, that were covered by, by Howie and Doug? I mean, Doug did say that Carson Wentz is his starting quarterback, so that's nice. They planted the seeds a little bit to try to create the Nick Foles market, I think. What, what did Howie say? Any team would love to have Nick Foles. And we've got to do what's what's best for the – Philadelphia Eagles, not for for Nick Foles. Right, which we covered a lot of that on Birds with Friends. That's right. Radio, they'll try to trade him. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying 100 percent they can't trade him. Maybe there's a scenario where they get lucky, but I, I think most likely is they're not going to be able to uh, trade him, and he'll be playing elsewhere. We will see where. I mean, if you're offering, if you're offering, if you're, if it's one of those things where they have to get the trade done before, 
Well, I mean, as you said, if if the if Nick Foles is going to pay his two million dollars and become a free agent, they're probably not going to franchise tag him. But the market would be to me if I was a team that wanted to trade for Nick Foles, you just offer a third round pick this year. That's it, like because that's better than a third round pick next year, which is what the Eagles would get as a comp pick. And I'm why and and otherwise he's going to become a free agent. So that seems like a very reasonable middle ground price to pay. Yes, but in that scenario, you would need Foles to basically want to sign an extension with that team because that would most likely be under the franchise tag where he's getting a guaranteed $25 million and he might say, look at, we'll look at how Kirk Cousins played it. I'll right. just play the one year on $25 million and then figure it out um, a year from now. So, again, with his ability to pay that $2 million yeah. and say that the option year is void – um, that scenario you just laid out would either be now he could, he could, they could have this arranged, I guess, where he says, all right, Jacksonville's willing to give up a third round pick. He says, I would like to go to Jacksonville and Jacksonville says here, we're going to redo this contract and pay you this. And they say, that looks good. That could happen. Those are a lot of things I just mentioned. I feel like to kind of come together for it to happen. So we'll see. This is a tough topic. I feel like to talk about i it's much better when you just write out all the scenarios yeah. so. no i think that's right <laughs> well i mean it could if if a tra- this is what i think is the bottom line if a trade is going to happen it is going to take all three parties working together to make it happen yes 100 percent. it is going to take you know a conversation specifically between, Foles. yes like nick Foles' agent having open conversations with the Jaguars or the Broncos or whoever about what the about what contract extension they would sign and the Eagles can grant them that uh, that permission. That's the that's the only way something like this is going to happen. Right. Although you also have the scenario like if you're Foles, why are you right the team you're going to? Why do you want them to give up a third round pick? I mean that comes into play a little bit, I guess, as well. Right. That's a good point. You know, like why are you weakening the team? you're going to when you don't have to. So. Right. The, te- the, the team would be incentivized only if they're worried about another team outbidding them in Correct. free agency. But you're yes. right. From Foles' perspective, it doesn't make as much sense. Okay. Um, yeah, it, I mean, they took a lot of questions about a lot of the veterans. Um, I thought really non-committal, Jason Peters, Darren Sproles. I did think it was interesting somewhat that, he, you know, how he said – you have to separate yourself from the emotion, and that's why we take, uh, whatever, a couple weeks, a few weeks here. And he said this last year. He did, they, you okay. Know, they, they did have some uh, tough decisions that they, they let guys go last year, but, and, you know, it's, it's an, that's a common line for him. Right. The Sproles thing, it did seem like, it did seem like uh, Howie is less interested in him returning than Doug. Well, that might have been the case last year as well. I mean, right. owners meeting Doug just openly said that he wants Sproles back. Who knows if that was already arranged or if that was him sort of making a public plea there. Well, I remember how he's saying, because remember they announced it at the end of the draft. That, right. Uh, you know, they, because they had the, a little bit of extra room because they didn't have a first-round pick, they were going to bring back Darren Sproles. And then he said that, like, Doug was, like, coming into his office all offseason being like, bring back Sproles. Mm. So he was separating himself from the decision early on. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. 
<laughs> he's like, when this guy doesn't play half the season, don't blame me. I was throwing the Super Bowl winning coach a bone there. So uh, we'll see what happens with all that. We'll get into all those. Um, I mean, my gut says that Sproles will not be back. And my gut says that Jason Peters will be back. Do you agree or disagree with those two? That is also my gut. Okay. We have to do our, we have to do our draft at some point. What's your gut on, I got asked uh, on my radio hit, percentage chance must be nice. that Brandon Graham comes back. Well, what would you put that at? 46%. Okay. I said 35%. Okay. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I think those were the big things from Howie and Doug. What else? Locker room. Locker room, I think the, you know, the interesting things were, well, we can get to Wentz in a second, but the, other than Wentz, it was those guys who are uh, potentially leaving. It was Jordan Hicks talking about uh, what he expects his market to be like. Chris Long saying that he wants to go somewhere if he's going to play where he can play a lot. He doesn't necessarily love the rotation. Um, what else? That was about it, really. I overheard overheard Jordan Matthews. I wasn't in on the interview, but I was sort of standing around. um, And he seemed to think he's going to have a – he seemed to think he's probably going to move on, I think, that he'll have an opportunity now that he he, he seemed to think that his health was what was holding teams back from signing him. And now that he played this year and made some plays and looked healthy, that maybe he'll have more of an opportunity. So we'll see there. I don't know who, like – He's going to get some guaranteed deal somewhere? I don't know. I mean, he's just, just telling you what he said. Me. I'm telling you what he said. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I feel like he probably belongs on a roster. He belongs in training camp. Okay. He, belong, yeah, he belongs on an, on an off-season roster. I don't, I'm not 100% sure he's going to belong on a 53 next year. Well, the tough thing with him is that he doesn't He doesn't give play special a, teams. Special teams, and he's probably going to be, he's yeah. He's a number a def- four receiver who doesn't play special teams. That, that's tough to find a spot for that guy. That's true. That's true. Uh, Jordan Hicks, I thought, was very businesslike in his approach. He didn't seem su- too uh, nostalgic or sentimental. I think, I think he think. has been very uh, businesslike whenever asked about this stuff, even in the offseason, saying that, you know, he knows he has – this is a big year for – him to prove himself, uh, just market wise. Yeah. Which you think he's, he's got, he's got his eyes, his guys, his eyes wide open. I think, I think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, uh, he is, he is married to the idea of coming back and playing for the I Eagles. I think that, I think, uh, that of the free agents, the only one who I would think would be willing to give the Eagles a hometown discount would, would be willing to take, you know, a notch less is probably Brandon Graham. And even then, I think it would have to be a close notch, very close notch. I agree. I don't think I he mean, wants it's his to. last. This is his last chance to get paid, paid, so. Yes, and he didn't get a huge, he didn't get huge interest last time he was on the market, so. By the way, uh, Brandon Graham's uh, Instagram, my favorite Instagram. The videos, really? the videos of, of him like uh, reading with his daughter are fantastic. Daughter is very cute. Yes, the one where he took her to Disney on Ice was uh, was really an all timer. I thought. Uh, if we're basing just on Instagram stories, he seems like a, a legit dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing. All he's the also things. he's also 
like always FaceTiming his either his wife yeah. or his daughter. I mean, he seems like no a great person complex. to be around. I don't I don't think it's a show or phony or anything. I mean, again, we never truly know these people, but um, yeah, he seems just like a happy guy who is uh, thankful for what he has and uh, all that. I would give him I would give him the uh, the delightful. Description that uh, we learned from Gunter Brewer on his on his way out. I would say that he's a uh, he seems like a good guy and an even better player. <laughs> he said that about Brandon Brooks. Right? He did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's a fantastic job by Gunter. <laughs> he's a listener. I think he's a listener, which I feel bad about. One of my big takeaways from the locker room was, uh, you know, I thought that that some of the leaders really sort of went over the top in their praise for Doug Peterson. Yeah, I'm not I uh these were all very leading questions, I thought. What else are they going to say? How do you know? You don't know what my questions were for these people. What were oh, you standing uh, behind uh, me uh, listening? Maybe I didn't hear your questions. Okay. I heard other questions. All right. Before you go poo-poo and everything. All right. I don't know. Go ahead to tell your thing then. No, I got nothing to say. You already poo-pooed it before I could say anything. Well, I was poo-pooing someone else it turned out. <laughs> Well, now I don't remember what the exact questions were, but I feel like it is a genuine strength of the team that the leaders on the team seem to have a very good relationship uh, with the head coach in terms of open communication, what they think is best for the team, what he thinks is best for the team, uh, him listening and taking their feedback. And also, as we've described the last five or six weeks, uh, I thought the coaching staff did an outstanding job overall. So in terms of that relationship and just the coaching staff in general, I think that is a uh, kind of a big strength of this team going forward. Well said. Okay. Uh, What did you think of Carson Wentz's media availability? Uh, I I wish that he had not made a stand around for three hours before he. Oh, stop it, complaining reporter! Wow, wow, wow! Oh, please! You were saying you could barely keep your eyes open. Yeah, I was tired. So what? I I didn't say he should be here. I said I was tired. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I didn't say I didn't say I didn't say he should have been there. I said I wish that he had been there. Nice try. I think that's. I think I was able to weasel my way out of that. Okay. Other than that, what did you think? Um. It was interesting. My biggest takeaway is that uh, I think he really needs Nick Foles to be gone. Like, I think he, he needs his team back. Is, that was my biggest takeaway, is that, is that this is a guy who actually <clears throat> is, is admitting that uh, this has worn on him emotionally. Yeah, this is going to be a very fascinating year for him, I feel. I mean... He admitted that there is pressure coming off of what Nick Foles has done the past two years. He admitted that the the durability questions, you know, he didn't say they were fair, but he said he's got to prove um, that he can stay healthy, that he can be on the field in December and January. I feel like he's he's probably very stressed out. I would imagine so. So uh, I didn't think there was anything else that was too... He did say that, I mean... He clarified a few things about, well, I guess he didn't really clarify them, but he addressed a few things about the specific timeline, about how it was, you know, related to that back that was on the injury report early in the season, and it just continued to get a little bit worse. Um, 
But, you know, the one thing he did say, which I thought was interesting, was he doubled back on thinking that he was ready at the beginning of the season to play. And I really, I, I believe that there is a little bit of tension between him and the medical staff because, you know, they held him back at the beginning of the year when he wanted to play. And then this back injury thing lingered, and then all of a sudden it turned out to be a, a broken back. Yeah, I agree. I, I would, mean, if I, mean, I were him, if I were him, I would, I would feel be feeling a little bit of a little bit salty. Yeah, and then, did you just mention the knee thing or no? I mean, the knee thing was interesting too, and how that was handled this summer. So uh, that wouldn't surprise me if there is some tension there. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Okay. All right. I think those Chris, the Chris Long thing, I thought was interesting. You know, I was looking it up earlier today. I mean, he played 58% of the snaps. He had seven sacks and 24 uh, quarterback hits. Both both finished third on the team. He was more productive than I thought he was, just in my head. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that seems like a like a good amount of snaps. Like I don't know how many snaps do you think? But he, wants he specifically to play? brought up that it was the second half of the year after Derek Barnett got hurt, right? He did. Yes. So he said, "I want to get what I deserve on the field." Yeah. Sort of caught me off guard. Yeah, that was interesting. Okay. Now I did the uh, off-season primer. Did you agree that the defensive line is the most pressing short-term need? Of course, check that out on the athletic.com slash Philly. The most pressing short-term need? Well, is that based on if Long and Bennett are back or not back? Or Well, it includes they- them as part of what needs to be addressed, I would say. Okay. Uh, yes, I, I think I think they do have definite decisions to make right there on the defensive line. It's the foundation of the defense. If they brought back Bennett and Long and had Cox, Bennett, Long, Barnett, and whatever for backups, what would you think about that? I would think that was probably fine. I agree too. I wouldn't over really have a strong reaction the other way to that. Yeah, at some. I mean, you obviously want to get younger. We both think. They're going to address this position early in the draft, maybe with multiple picks on the first two days. I mean, it just like it, it feels if I could bet 100, you know, 100 percent that one of their first three picks is going to be on a defensive lineman. I would bet a lot of money on that. That seems like the yes. the, the lock of the year. It could be two. Um, and so I think they are in a nice position to be able to get younger. But it's not all about getting younger. You need to field a group that is going to be productive on the field uh, next year, be one of the best units in the league next year. And so they are at that sort of crossroads uh, of getting younger but being very good next year as well. That That's where the sort of fascination with the decisions comes in. I agree. Okay. All right. Should we get to the uh, bird and edgewises? You got sure. anything else? Well, I was just going to say I don't have a lot, a ton of film observations, but just oh, a couple right. of things. Uh, and I mentioned this on Birds with Friends Radio. You know, I, I do think this was Nick Foles, probably his worst performance since uh, returning to the starting How dare line, you? lineup. And I went through all of those drives, the last seven drives, to see what the issues were. And here, here are my Cliff Notes version. Of, uh, of those notes. Drive number three is when he really had Zach Ertz running a, gr- a great route. I think it was a, a post-wheel combination. Could have been an explosive play. He underthrows him. That's an interception. Drive number four, Jason Peters had a false start. They couldn't run the ball. Third and 10. 
Uh, he Foles had nowhere to go. They end up punting. Drive five, Zach Ertz ran another really nice route. Foles was off target with his throw. Could have been a first down. That was one where Ertz had a chance to to make the play, but it was thrown like to his right. He got his hands on it, didn't make the catch. I thought it was more of a bad throw than a drop. Uh, third down, he on that same drive, he had Nelson Aguilar open, but Cam Jordan had a nice pass rush, batted the ball at the line of scrimmage. Drive six, uh, Saints did a very nice job on a third and four. The Eagles tried to run sort of a, a man-beating route with a pick. The Saints passed it off, and they broke up the completion, so that wasn't on him. Drive number seven is when he had Golden Tate on that deep over route. He underthrew him there. I thought that had a chance to be a big conversion and a big completion, so I think that was on Foles. Uh, drive number eight was when uh, Nelson Aguilar didn't have his head around, but Foles said afterwards he needed to put some more air under the ball. It seemed like he had to get rid oh, yeah, of it quickly. Yeah, that was a weird play. Yeah, that was a weird play. Uh, that was one play on that drive, and then there was the other play. We had Jordan Matthews. And it seemed like there was a miscommunication about what kind of route Jordan Matthews was going to run. I think there, you know, those two missed opportunities on that drive was big. And then uh, drive number nine was obviously Alshon Jeffrey, uh, the ball going through his hands for the interception. So uh, I think it was a combination of the Saints defense doing a good job in some spots, Foles being off target, and some bad luck. Obviously, though, all those factors combined to make them scoreless in their last uh, seven drives. Okay. Defensively, uh, people are very upset with the third and long situations. I thought you described this well, and go ahead. Uh, if, you know, I was just looking at some football outsiders at a post, and uh, the Eagles' defensive DVOA from week 15 uh, to the divisional round would have been the second best in the entire NFL if extended over a, a full season. And that was with playing with four of their regular starters in the secondary, uh, not healthy. So uh, I do think Jim Schwartz did a very good job down the stretch. I think he got a good learning experience with, uh, you know, some good data on some of those young cornerbacks. And now you can figure it out better going into next season. I mean, on the third and longs, you know, people are like, why are they playing off coverage? I mean, you play off coverage in third and long, especially this defensive scheme. Like you really want Josh Hawkins. That's such a hard name to say. I want to say like Josh Hawkins. Josh Hawkins. Yeah. I don't know. No, like the Osh and the Hawk. And like, those are two different sounds. Well, I think what you have to do is that you, the, the fun part is to roll it in together. So it's Josh Hawkins. Okay. Cause it I'm flows never, together. I'm, I'll never say his name again, just as I'll never eat rice again. Somebody wanted to, to clarify the uh, origin of I'll never eat rice again. That was a family friend who, you know, the, their, uh, some of their relatives got in a little bit of a spat. And uh, one of the uncles said he would never eat rice again. That was his way of sticking it to the other guy. I don't know who the other guy was. I don't have any more details for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let me see some, uh, so there was a third and 10 where it looked like, uh, Avante Maddox and Craven LeBlanc were confused. There was a 42 yard completion where Maddox got turned around and I have no idea what Corey Graham was doing. Uh, another one, Maddox got turned around by Ted Ginn on a 21 yarder. Jenkins got beaten by Kamara on a 23 yarder, uh, on that 18 play drive. There was a play where. It looked like there was a miscommunication uh, pre-snap 
with their tight end, and Jenkins was slow to pick him up. That was a third down conversion. Uh, let's see. Uh, they were in zone on a 21-yard completion on a third down where there was just uh, too big a void in between Maddox and Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, the third and 16 is the big one. I thought Bradham and Maddox were in a terrific position to break up a pass. It was cover two, and they just didn't make a play on it. They were both right there. Uh, I thought that was sort of a back-breaking conversion right there. Um, and then there was a third and 13 where Michael Thomas it's beat a lot of Hawkins. Lungs. Yeah, Michael Thomas beat Hawkins. And uh, that one, I can't remember what the coverage was. It did seem like he was kind of one-on-one with him. So uh, I think overall in some of those spots you can say, hey, they should have um, helped out the corners a little bit more. I think a lot of it was an issue we've, that came up throughout the season, which was just, you know, we talked about the pattern matching of the Bears before that game, and it was like, all right, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But the Eagles have too many times where they just drop into zone, and it feels like they're paying no attention to the receivers who are near them, and those guys catch the ball anyway. I think that has been a big issue for them all season long, and that surfaced in some really bad spots uh, in this game as well. Okay. That's all I got. Good stuff. Uh, Ross Cohen wants to know, what's your favorite football movie? And also what you think is the best football movie? Different questions. I mean, you probably have a better answer for this than I do. I'm like trying to think in my head right now. My favorite, my favorite either, if I can mix a TV show in there, which I know that wasn't the question, like Friday Night Lights, the series is by far my favorite piece of fictional football content. And it's not even close. I agree with that. I think that's that's good. I, I like that. Okay. I also liked Playmakers a lot. I know, I didn't watch that. You didn't watch Playmakers when it was on ESPN? No. Oh, that was great. I can't believe that show was on the air. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like. Uh, I've got soft spots for uh, for uh, any given Sunday, and remember the Titans and the replacements. I remember Those thinking any given Sunday was terrible back in the day, but I don't know. Maybe I should rewatch. I just. I think I mostly just liked Willie Beeman. Okay, I think remember I would. The Titans, I liked. If I'm Peckness migrating those, I I am nesting. Remember the Titans, probably pecking the replacements and migrating any given Sunday. Did you like Necessary Roughness back in the day? I remember liking it, but I haven't seen it since I was like ten years old. So same, same, um, same thing with me. I, I remember would, rent, renting that and enjoying it, yeah, but I don't remember sure anything about it. Uh, what else? Is Varsity Blues, is that a football movie? Oh, uh, Varsity Blues, that's a good one. I mean, there's Friday Night Lights, yeah. the movie, which was not, you know. Not as good, no. I feel like uh, we're missing one, but. Is there a big one we're missing? The Program? I've never seen The Program. Oh, The Program is a lot of fun. I actually have the DVD. Somebody got me that as a gift when they found out I hadn't seen it, and I've still never watched it. It's been like 10 years. You have to watch it so that, so that when I tell you that a player reminds me of Lattimore, you will get the reference. Marshawn? Not Marshawn. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, on that topic, though, now that we do have the off season, I'm open to all suggestions of uh, content to consume, whether it's uh, books, movies, TV show, podcasts. You know, may- make some suge- maybe make some suggestions on that. Leave a review and make some suggestions. If you have something that I really like that I try out, We'll, we'll give you a shout-out. Maybe we'll even give you a prize. If, if you suggest something that I find to be terrible, uh, we will call you out. Okay. I like that. 
Okay. Yeah, I need something to do because on my on my flight to uh, Pensacola before the drive to Mobile, it's a two legger, and uh, I don't know. There's not going to be anything on. I guess I can download a movie or something. We'll see. There's so many options now. You can download through Netflix, Amazon. If you if you have Xfinity, you can download your DVR stuff. Like, there's no excuse to be bored on a plane anymore. All right, we have a request to do a a snack fantasy draft. Five rounds, two sweet, two savory, one flex. Wait, on the fly without even thinking about it? Yeah, you can go first. Oh, this is terrible. Or do you want me to go first and then you get two? I mean, frankly, I don't want to do it. Well, too late. Snacks? Yeah. Oh, gosh. All right, go ahead. All right, with the first pick, I will take popcorn. Uh, I will take a, <laughs> I will take a smoothie. Okay. Is that a snack? Yeah, sure. Okay. I get another one. Yeah. Um. <laughs> my, this is going to be as terrible as the hotel draft for me. Okay. Uh, I will take a. How about, how about sun chips? I like sun chips. Okay. 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 I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna popcorn. take. What a terrible first pick! I love popcorn. I'm yeah, gonna take great. a uh, peanut M and M, and I'm taking ice cream. Wait, a peanut M M&M and M or a peanut butter M M&M? and M? No, peanut M M&M. and M. Dude, your your team sucks. Well, I got all of ice cream, so tough. ice cream is not a snack. That's a dessert. Ice cream can be a snack. I mean, it can be, but I don't. For the purposes of the draft, I find that disingenuous. Well, too bad. Okay. So I've got two. I've got two sweets, and one savory. Let's see. Snack. I mean, like the potato chip is undefeated. I'll just say the potato chip. You can okay. call me boring. Hey, you can throw a little barbecue, a little sour cream and onion. Just don't hit me with that nasty vinegar stuff. Okay. Uh, I need two sweet, two savory, right? So I need a sweet, a sweet snack. I mean, I'm not going to say like cookies. That's so boring. Um, how about how about like a nice bar? What What do you mean? No, I I have a bar like bin. a Cliff Bar. I have a bar bin in my house where whenever we go to Target, I buy like eight different types of bars and I throw them in the bar bin and then I just have them. You've probably seen me eating a lot of bars over the years. I guess it could be a kind bar. It could be a Cliff Bar. Okay. Um, I'm, I think of the other ones I I go to, but yeah. A bar. I mean, if you want to look at what my most frequent snack is, it's the bar. Have you seen these? Have you seen these uh, Lenny and Larry cookies? No. I think you. Oh, I think I saw you eating one. Yeah. I can't tell if they're uh, totally fraudulent or not. So if we have a nutritionist out there or someone who's uh, into this stuff, give me your thought on the Lenny and Larry cookie. I will close out with uh, Trisket. Oh my God! Your team sucks. And Tristan and popcorn. Oh, the best. This is embarrassing. And uh, my final pick, I, you know, I thought about Doritos over Triscuit, but I, I stick with the Triscuit because then I can get some cheese on there. We're, then we're cooking with fire. Uh, I'm going to close out with uh, with a clementine. Well, we've got some upstairs. Uh, I'll, I will go with the Dorito then. The, I love the Dorito. The nacho cheese. 
Uh, I like both that and the Cool Ranch. Okay. It depends what kind of mood I'm in. Okay. I can't believe, you know, so, you rip, you rip deep, deep dish pizza for like the cardboardy crust and then you choose the Trisket. Oh, the Trisket is, I mean, is, is what fantastic. What a terrible consistency that is. All right. So, so that, so vote for either hashtag bow snack or hashtag shield snack, which team you think is better. My team I, again is popcorn, Trisket, all of ice cream, peanut M&M's, and clementines. That's a banger lineup. I don't need any other snacks for the rest of my life. What's my team? Was and, I supposed to be writing this down? And your team was potato chips, bars, Doritos, Doritos, smoothie. Oh, a smoothie. And what is the other one? Yeah, your team, your team's so bad you can't even remember who's on them. Uh, potato chips, Doritos, smoothie, bar. Mm. Eh, it's your fault. You came up with the idea. You didn't write it I down. I didn't come up with the idea. You get paid, You get dinged for for bad uh, hosting. <laughs> I've never been more confident that I was going to win anything. Your team with, is terrible. Give me a break. Mine, you get the hell. You know, you get you get some. Uh, Nutritious stuff. You get some nice taste. Yours, you should have gone like all in one way with just the great tasting stuff. Then you screwed it up with Triscuit and popcorn. Wait, what's your what's your what's your sweet? I just I oh, mean you, a, smooth, oh, a smoothie. A so smoothie this, your other sweet. one, your other one has to be something that's sweet. Whatever. A bar is sweet. I guess it could be. It always is. What kind of salty bars are you eating? I don't know. They're they, all sweet. They always have a little chocolate chip or something okay. in there. A little cacao. All right, Peckness Migrate from Pat Higgins. People who walk slowly and take up the entire sidewalk, people who drive slowly in the passing lane, and people who rush to the front of the plane after landing. You know, more than walk slowly, I hate the the, the people who stand on the side in the middle of the sidewalk, hmm. like either looking at their phone or having a conversation. I always go into my uh, Kenny Banya bit in my head, or to anyone who's walking with me, and I say. It's called a sidewalk, not a side stand. I think I've shared that on this uh, podcast before. You may have. Okay, so so slow walkers, slow drivers, or front of the plane. Front of the plane is an easy mig- is an easy uh, migrate. Um, I agree, and I'm I am I'm pecking the the drive in the far in the in the left hand lane. And I'll have to uh, I'll have to nest the slow walkers. I think I agree with that because the slow walkers you generally have a way to get around pretty easily. Yeah, you and you got to did you get to take a take a peek at my crowd walking abilities when we were going down the Superdome the other day? Yeah, you're a lunatic. Oh, what a delight! You almost ran into like light poles on five different occasions. But I didn't because I'm I'm uh, I'm a running back trapped in a slow white guy's body. You really do approach it that way. It's unbelievable. It's fan- oh, that was a that was a that was a real treat, getting to show off that skill. Oh, okay. I was going to ask for whom. I'm the but... number two crowd walker in the world. I've always said that. All right, who's number one? I don't know, but there's somebody out there probably. Oh, okay. Uh, Stu Brooks, if either of you were in Fletcher's shoes, getting triple teamed by 741 pounds of player, how many bones do you think he would have been broken? Now we're uh, talking about we are yeah, talking about the the fake punt 
the Taysom Hill fake punt, which, uh, boy, the Saints are really taking a whiff on this, letting everybody know that they had scouted that Fletcher Cox comes off the ball lazily on punt block situations. And so for that reason, they were able to brilliantly take advantage of that and pick up the fake punt with Taysom Hill. I find this whole thing insane. Uh, (laughs) They had... They had half a yard to go. They triple teamed him, and they barely got it. It was not some like beautifully designed play. He ran right into the line. It's not like they took advantage of his passivity. They still needed three guys to get him out of the way, and they picked up like a yard and a half. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, normally I love this kind of thing, and I'm a sucker for it, and I've probably written articles where if I look back, I'd say, you know what, that wasn't that big of a deal. Because it is fun when like a coach or a player brags about something game plan wise, and then you go back and look at it and you know, then, then you write about it. I, I'm as kind of a sucker for reading those things and writing those things. But I mean, I've never heard of a team wanting like the, the what was it called? The punt safe? Mm-hmm. What's, what's whatever that unit was. I've never heard them wanting the de- like the opponent to be ready for the fake punt. That's number one. And like you said, they still had to triple team him and he got injured on the play. Right. And it was one yard. And like, yeah. there was no, if you watch it, there's no gaping hole there. No, it's not like and they took advantage of that spot. This is one where I think the uh, outcome is, is everything. I mean, cause here's the deal. If they call that, and Fletcher Cox somehow stuffs Taysom Hill, we're saying, what a moron. Instead of calling a regular offensive play, they call a fake punt, even though the Eagles had their their fake punt defense out there, and they run right at their best player. Sean Payton is an idiot. But yeah, that didn't happen. That was crazy. And so, and so they get credit. So uh, I'm not as worked up about it as you are, but um, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, wait, so what was the question? Oh, if you were Fletcher Cox in that situation, how many bones do you think you would have broken? Uh, oh, I, I would probably be dead. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you put me out there on the line for any single play, I have a hard time thinking I would come out alive. <laughs> Even on a pass play? Um, I guess if I was rushing the passer, I could do some like Bobo pass rush move where you really get, you know, get way upfield, like 35 yards, <laughs> really turn run. on a, turn in a wide corner. <laughs> what is it? What is our, uh, buddy Fran call it? Run, run the circle. But that's when you run like the little circle yeah. and, and come back. I, I would be running a very large circle. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Uh, <laughs> what would be a, a harsher sentence for you to serve shield? One tw- oh, me. just me. Okay. One twenty-four hour episode of Birds with Friends, or daily pods for an entire year, five days a week, uh, at least an hour an episode. Oh, that's easy. What what would be worse? Yeah. The daily pod. The daily pods. Yeah. I could easily do a twenty-four hour one. You could. All right. I shouldn't say easily. You said you said you were not willing to do that as a payment for if like whoever. What what, what was our thing? Some terrible team won the Super Bowl? Uh, I forget. I think it was the Jets. It was Adam Gase. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to me. But, you know, if someone were, if someone were to pony up a big amount of money for uh, a charity or, or if we were to organize some type of drive like that, 
and accept donations for a 24-hour podcast and we, we hit a certain goal, I would absolutely do that. I would do that, too. Well, you know, you know I would do it. You would do it for nothing. You would do it right now. No, I wouldn't do it right now. But uh, I, would, I, would do it, I would do it as a, uh, as a we reward could, for something. We could organize some good guests. You know, give me time to stretch in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we could pull that off. Okay. That's something to look forward to. That would be a lot of pressure in terms of uh, recording equipment, though, I will say. That's true. Boy. You don't want to lose that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> the size of file that that guy, that guy would be is uh, We would have scary. to get WIP involved, I feel yeah, like. I think you're probably right. Uh, who would win an NFL head coach Royal Rumble? Ooh, good one. Let's see. The, uh, the, two, the two names that just popped into my head, and these probably aren't the best answers, but, uh, well, no, that, that one's a terrible answer now that I think of it. I was going to say Bruce Arians because he feels like he could be a wrestler. Mm. Yeah. But like, and uh, and nobody, nobody would be worried about throwing him over the, over the top in the beginning. He'd be able to he'd be able to stick around for a little bit probably. Right. Uh, Mike Tomlin, I feel like, would probably be very good. That's a good one, but I feel like he like would. He's in good shape. I think you he'd think be. They'd... I think he'd be targeted. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. I'm gonna go. I mean, you know, you, you could go with your boy. Which which one are we referring to now? Frankie Reich. You think so in a Royal Rumble? Yeah, I could see that. I'm, but I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm actually going to go with a, a bit of an upset. I'm going to go with Ron Rivera. Now, no, that, that's not an upset. He would be the favorite. He would be the favorite? L- look at him. He looks like he's built like a house. Yeah, I'm in on Ron Rivera. Yeah. I could see Pete Carroll doing some really crazy things to try, try to win Pete that. Pete Carroll would do, would do a thing where, like, he'd come in a house of fire and knock a couple guys out, and then <laughs> yes. he'd go on the top rope trying to get somebody, and then, like, Freddie Kitchens would catch him in midair and throw him <laughs> over the top. I think that's precisely right. Oh, my God, this sounds so fun. How can we make this happen? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe one slow day in the offseason I'll do a whole uh, fanfic NFL head coach Royal Rumble. I would read that. Okay. Uh, Peckness migrate. I think we've done this before from Ryan Jones. Beer, wine, and uh, hard liquor. I don't think we've done this before. Okay. Um, he says your individual hard liquor of choice, but I, if we're doing all of wine, then it should be all of hard liquor and all of beer. Okay. If you want, I'm, to change, uh, I'll tell you. you want to change the, if you want to change the question of one of our most loyal listeners <laughs> to make it fit your uh, category, then sure. Yeah, we can do that. Well, even with all of hard liquor, I'm. I am. Uh, although, actually, no, I'm. I'm migrating liquor, and nesting wine and pecking beer. I am. Migrating wine, although we have a shout out to give. Well, I know we do. We're, I'm saving it for the oh, Ospreys. Oh, you're saying okay? I won't. Save which will right. uh, will be in two weeks. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so not that I don't like wine, but uh, I will migrate wine. I will. I might nest hard liquor. I think at this point in my life. I know this has been a, this has been one of the stories of the season for Shilkapadia. <laughs> Is a, he has discovered this year that he is becoming a liquor man. Well, I just feel if I'm having a, you know, like a dinner or something, like having a 
you know, a large beer kind of makes me, uh, you know. Well, that's why I'm that's why I'm going with the wine. I feel like I get the most bang for my buck in terms of pairing with food and uh, and can have it individually. But yeah, I think I would be fine having a beer once a year. That's fine. Yeah, every now and then, you know, cold hot day, nothing nothing better than a than a cold one with the boys. Eh. But uh, I guess. <laughs> my wife would go the opposite. My wife, my wife would would migrate beer. I mean, would uh, would nest beer. Mine would as well. Hmm. Uh, Tom wants to know how do you pronounce Zikum, and the answer is Zikum. Yeah, There's no question about that. Uh, Peck nest migrate Hagen Dazs, Ben and Jerry's, and Briars. And should Doug be taking more heat for calling Briars BS in favor of Hagen Dazs in the ice cream video? Now, didn't that question say something about Briars being local? Why does he get a pass for impugning a local institution, it says? Is Briars yeah. not local? I don't know. Uh, no, I, I didn't know that it was. I don't know the answer. I thought Turkey Hill was the local. Turkey Hill is local. That's true. Oh, wow. Briars is a brand of ice cream it started in 1866 by William A. Briar in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I had no idea. I had no idea. That's incredible, huh? Oh, in recent years, as mm. part of cost-cutting measures since their move mm. from Green Bay, Wisconsin, to Englewood Cliffs, New Jersey. Okay, so it was started in Philadelphia, but... And now it's back in the area? No, I don't think it is. No, Englewood is not close to Philly? I don't, I've never... Englewood Cliffs, I've never heard of it. Englewood? Up to no good, as they say. Mm. Uh, okay, I will. This is an easy migrate for me. Is Hagen Dazs? I agree. I'm not saying it's not tasty, but listen, if I want to pay whatever, like what, what do they charge for those pints? It's crazy. I've never purchased one of those. It's like seven dollars or something for one is of those it? little wow. pints. I don't know. I may be exaggerating. It's expensive. I never look twice at the Hagen Dazs. Okay. Uh, the Capadias have been a Briars family. For a long time. You know, just the, the vanilla Briars is a delicious ice cream. Okay. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I would agree that Doug was out of line. <laughs> impugning the vanilla bean uh, Briars. But I'm trying to think. You know, I do. See, the problem with, here's the problem with me, is that when you buy the big ice cream, like, I have no self-control. Yeah. So I'm, I'm eating that bad boy every night until it's gone. You mentioned it as a snack. Yeah, if it's afternoon, I just had lunch, and there's some ice cream in the fridge. I'll eat it then. Wow, so you just admitted that it's a snack. Thank you. Well, if, if you're somebody with no self-control hashtag, like myself. Hashtag Bo you... Snack. Bo Snack wins. Is, and mine is Shield Snack. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, Shield Snack. What's the over-under on these? Nine and a half. Under. Uh, ben and Jerry's, I, you know, I've grown to enjoy probably over the last... Eight to ten years, they were not a part of my life growing up. You do get the pint, so you know it's going to limit me to one to two servings, which is good. What's your what is your what is your a number one ice cream of choice? My wife's is the Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough. I do enjoy that. I don't know. I always I, I I'm not like an aficionado on Ben and Jerry's. Okay. I do I, I have gotten that one. I feel like there's a waffle, one that has like a waffle cone uh, in like it. Like a Maricone Dream, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I do enjoy that one. Uh, but I don't I, mean just, I mean if it could be, a, it could be the Briar's Vanilla. If, if there's a, 
one um, that stands above. Oh, you know what? Okay, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Oh my gosh, I haven't had this in so long. I may have to go out and try to buy it right now. I'm getting so hungry. Have you had Edie's ice cream sandwich? No. Oh my gosh, it's a it's a vanilla ice cream, but it has you know like a like a you know an ice cream sandwich, a brown ice cream sandwich, the old classic. That's mixed into the ice cream. So rather than chocolate chips or whatever, it's that. And my gosh, that's a delicious ice cream. So I think that would be my 1A. Now let me ask you this. Oh, I want some. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Ice cream, ice cream bar from, a, from an ice cream truck. What was your go-to move as a child? Uh, the Chipwich. Always the Chipwich. Chipwich is a great choice. It's the only choice. The WWF ice cream bars were... Awesome. I don't even know what those you are. Had, it, was, it was vanilla ice cream. One side was uh, like a chocolate uh, icing thing. And okay. shell, like a, you know, a chocolate frozen shell. Sure. And sure. the other side was, a, like, was like a cookie. Like a, like okay. A, it I was know so good. And, a good it, and, it, and it had a wrestler on the cookie. Okay. That's a solid one. Oh, that was, that was delightful. Mm. Uh, Very hungry. Pick one for the rest of your sports writing career. Fly charter with the team, but always get the middle seat. Or fly commercial and be guaranteed an aisle. Who had this question? That's a good one. Big Seals. Okay. Uh, charter, middle seat. or Oh, that's easy. Charter, middle seat. Charter, middle seat for sure. I mean, because it's, it's a timing thing more than anything. Yes. They get to just leave right after the game and you're home at a reasonable you hour. sleep so, in your yeah. own bed. Yeah, no, I, I don't love the aisle that much. It would make our, our post-game pods more difficult, but that's okay. So that's another plus. <laughs> uh, Michael Deegan, what are reasonable expectations for Mylotta and Pryor going forward? With the OL of focus coming to the draft, does their presence ease any concerns? Or are they just depth? With Pryor, I think a reasonable expectation for next year is probably that he's a... Uh, depth offensive lineman who dresses on game days yeah i mean he should be chance warmack next year i mean maybe but they might you know they might draft somebody who's better than him and he might they not may... be on the team yeah that's definitely on the table uh, my lotta my gosh it's i have no idea i mean it's everything you've heard and we've gotten such a small sample size with him and uh i have no clue i mean it could rain it could really range from Starting left tackle to off the team, right? I mean, isn't every outcome in play? Yeah, every outcome is in play. I mean, I would be surprised if he were off the team. I think a reasonable expectation at this point is that he is at least competing to start in 2020. Okay, that's, I agree. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, J-Tang, Peckness Migrate. You and Shield watch the Australian Open. You and Shield cover the U.S. Open. You and Shield play doubles together. Hmm. I'm lo- I'm I'm longing to get to play doubles with you. That would be nice. Although I don't know, are you a good, are you a good partner? I'd like to think so. Like, what if I'm having a, a bad match? How are you going to react? I'm, I've, I'm, I've not, seen your competitive juices when you're down, and it's not I'm, pretty. I'm, I'm a great teammate. Okay. I've got your back. I'll lift you up. 
It's it's not it, your fault. We're in this. Work? It's what if not, I'm just sucking it up and we lose? That's fine. We're in this together. We lose. We win as a team. We lose as a team. You gonna go talk some noise afterwards? Oh, man, Sheila had a rough day. Definitely not. Okay. And if somebody does, I'll I'll, I'll smack him in the face with my racket. <laughs> uh, I I think covering the U.S. Open would be. Uh, I think we'd have a great time doing that. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. So that's definitely my nest. I'll, you know, the issue is it's always during training uh, camp. You know, or, training camp yeah. the first the first week of the season. So I've actually never been to the U.S. Open. Uh, I would love to go. I'd love it to take fun. my dad. To the US Open. I recommend if you're gonna, you know what you should do, take a day in training camp, the first week of the Open. Go in the go in the afternoon, like one of the first few days. Then you can you can walk around. You know, you can go to one of the small courts. You get like you know very up close and personal with the with the match. Uh, that's that's the best time to go. You know what? That's not my dad's thing. He he would want to see the big guns. Well, you could then you could do that and then wait. You know, you'll, you'll, you you have a day pass. You have several hours to kill. Is that how it works? You just pay and you, you watch anything all day or all night? Yes. Well, no, or no. no there, 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 there's a day session and a night session. Okay. Yeah, like I think once my brother-in-law brought up the idea uh, to my dad to go to like a minor league baseball game, man. Uh, he wanted no part of it. Hmm. He wants to see the stars. Yeah, well, that's reasonable. Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, maybe I will do that. I mean, I don't need to be there every day of training camp. Definitely not. Cares. Well, by that time, actually, by that time, it's not camp anymore. It's just regular preseason. Oh, true. Then it's really worthless. Yeah. In between those, yeah, in between those games. Okay. All right. Remind me. That's I'm going to do shift. that. Okay. Um, all right. So what was it? So it was, I mean, watching the Australian open. I mean, I get, I think we would have fun doing that. I, you know, I think I would, uh, I think I will nest playing doubles. I mean, sorry, no, no, I will peck playing doubles. We can do that once. I think I would nest covering the U S open. That would be fun every year. And I think I will migrate watching the Australian open. Although, you know, all those sound fun. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to nest doubles. Because that means that means we're getting out there. We're 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 active. We're getting a little bit that's of a workout. That's true. I, that's you know that's necessary. And then I'll peck I'll peck the uh, covering the U.S. Open. Okay. Hey, did you see the? I just thought of this when we were talking about the offensive line. Uh, I know you did see this, but the for those who didn't, the Bruce uh, Feldman story yeah. on the Athletic. Great story on Nick Saban and like you know he basically painted this picture of there are three reasons why someone leaves Nick Saban's staff. Uh, I thought very fascinating, very well done. Uh, definitely go out and go and check that out. But one thing he was saying about the turnover on Alabama staff this offseason is that they wanted to bring uh, Jeff Stoutland back. What did you think about that? I thought that was very interesting. And, uh, you know, if I had not read your piece, I wouldn't have known that uh, how much Stout is, how much happier he is to not have to worry about recruiting 24-7. And uh, even though it has taken him some time to adjust, he enjoys the opportunity to sit down and watch a movie with his daughter well this was very interesting it's, it's actually, just such a worse like w- life yes especially for i mean for sabin like oh, you know yeah. um i can't like but, why would you ever do that well uh, you know i think it was interesting why you would do that what what he said it Brute feldman said in there was that like people go into these jobs thinking like this is going to be like two to three years of you know my life is probably going to be a little bit of a hell but you're you know then from there it's easier to move on people say oh you coached on Saban staff mm-hmm. or you know what i mean right but uh, he's already done that he's already done that no i'm saying yeah uh, i thought you were uh, not anybody general. yeah i mean i mean statland yeah 
And I actually didn't get to get into all of that in the uh, article I wrote. So uh, it was very interesting his, what his family was saying that, you know, they didn't go on like big family vacations until he got to the NFL. And since he got to the NFL every year, they're in like Europe for a week or like they go to a really cool place um, once a year on vacation. It just wasn't something that was really available to them. It, it felt like during that time in his life, I mean, his, his wife was very honest about how hard it was to parent sometimes when, uh, when Stoutland was coaching in college at Miami or at Alabama and you have, you know, two young kids growing up and they're doing different sports and different activities. And, um, even in the off season, he's just like always on a plane, um, or always having to recruit because that, that was just part of the job. And there was this actually, uh, this adjustment period she was explaining where his first year coaching, uh, for, you know, he coaches with chip and, uh, the off season rolls around and like, he didn't know what to do with himself. And it was, uh, it was sort of like a weird home dynamic where he would start different projects and not finish them. Or like she was describing something he did like in the yard and like, he didn't know what he was doing. And so then they had to pay to like get it fixed. And it's it that, you know, there was like a little bit of sort of tension and it took him like a couple off seasons to figure out how are we going to do this? Like you don't have games to coach from February, uh, you know, until training camp starts really. I, I mean, you have work to do, you go into the office, but even Dave Fipp was saying that in the feature I wrote about him. He's like, people make it, you know, He's like the the off season for an NFL coach is actually pretty nice. You get your work in, you do stuff, but it's not like 24 seven. And so, uh, you know, in recent years, um, Stoutland has become sort of golf obsessed. Like he'll just come down in the morning, um, and be ready to golf every, every day. It feels like, and, uh, you know, they binge, he binges shows with his daughter. He hangs out with his son. You know, he does all these different things where just the quality of life, seems a lot better. And then, you know, training camp rolls around until the end of the season. And it's the same deal as if you're in college where you're uh, working pretty crazy hours. But uh, yeah, I can't see how that would be um, appealing to him. I would be very surprised. And, you know, they might've been BSing me, but it didn't feel like it. Like every family member said mm -hmm. they just sort of love living in uh, the Philadelphia area. His daughter goes to school, uh, college nearby. And, um, you know, they've said this is their favorite house that they've lived in of any of the houses, all those different things. So, um, I don't, you know, I don't think he's going anywhere. Now that would have been the ultimate Kapadia curse. Oh, if he left. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, another banger of a question from big seals who is, who is bringing it one title drought in any sport that you want to see end and one that you want to continue in perpetuity. He says he would love to see the good people of Detroit get a super bowl and hopes the Vikings suffer forever. Who are the big ones now? It's weird. With you know, you got mm. the Red Sox. When we were growing up, you yeah, could Red Sox and Cubs. Cubs. I, I believe the White Sox, Eagles. No, the White. No, didn't the, the White yeah, Sox. They did. They did. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Watched, The Indians, mm. right? I, I don't know. I don't think that is that the longest. I think I think it's up there. They should change their name to the Sports Indians. Oh, that would be outstanding. I can be the owner. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> my two answers are uh, I'd like to see a Wesleyan women's hockey win the uh, national title. Okay. And uh, I'd, like to see, I'd like to see Russell Knox win a major. Okay. Uh, other, otherwise, I don't, have a, I don't have a good answer for one that I want to end. I don't have a good answer either. I, I really don't have any interest in seeing the Lions do anything. So, you know, that one doesn't resonate with me. No. Or the Browns, although, you know, Baker, I guess, could be fun. 
The Cleveland one is tough because, you know, they got the LeBron era. Yeah, so exactly. If they if he had left for Miami and never come back, never came back, then I would definitely be inclined to say that. Uh, I don't have a good answer for this. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, ask doc, hashtag ask Dr. Scheel, will Brandon Brooks' surgically repaired Achilles be strong enough by the start of the season for him to lead the county in innings pitched? <laughs> yeah, I think he would be able to do that. Uh, okay. I, I'm sure that he wouldn't. Only, only true giants can accomplish such a feat. Uh, did, you see, did you see the online flirtation between uh, Brandon Brooks and Gerald McCoy? I, oh, I did. And Fletcher Cox. Well, well, Fletcher Cox, yeah, so Gerald McCoy tweeted something out about, you know, we're all defensive tackles, basically, you know, three, four no's and all that, you know, one technique and all this, like, don't worry about it. And Fletcher Cox said something that he agreed with it, mm-hmm. and Bro- Brandon Brooks responded, that sounds like he wants to come to the Northeast, just saying. But then was there, well, there, was, there was no next response, right? I mean, not that I saw. Okay, yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, if he gets cut, why not? I think it's an interesting, you know what, that is something to keep an eye on. I was thinking about this on Birch with Friends Radio. I think I had mentioned maybe they would trade for a defensive lineman if somebody were available. The other thing to keep an eye on is someone who gets cut because that doesn't count against the comp pick formula. And we know that that is something that they care about. So, yes. So you would be more likely to do that than sign a free agent. Of the coaches remaining from the chip regime, who would you choose as your partner on the amazing race, asks Kyle. So that's... Fip, Undlin, Stoutlin, or Justin Peel? To me, this is easy. Deuce. What about Deuce? Oh, Deuce, too. Yeah. I'm uh, going Undlin. The man, I think, is... I think, he, I think he does, like, outdoorsy stuff in the offseason. Now, I don't know. I've never watched The Amazing Race, but I would imagine that would come in handy. Uh, I disagree. I would go with Fip. No. Easily. No, Undlin, for sure. Fip looks like he could run 200 miles in a row. <laughs> Plus, he's a he's a renaissance man. The the amazing race. I think they like drop you in a city, I believe, and it's you and your partner, and it's sort of like this uh, scavenger hunt slash obstacle course type thing. So I don't think it's just a physically, it's not just like physically demanding. It's sort of like you have to solve riddles and get clues and that kind of thing. Mm, you know what else is? You know what? You know what is a puzzle to solve? Having your entire position group suffer injuries and rolling out there with. Craven LeBlanc and Devontae Bowsby. No, you're wrong on this. FIP is, FIP is the answer. Unlin is the answer. Okay. I stand by this. All right. Uh, okay. Seeing if there's anything How else. many hours in are we for this podcast? Oh, 23 and a half. Okay. Okay, popcorn from Eve Wolf, who gave us uh, Nowlin's week. Uh, Peckness migrate popcorn with butter, popcorn without butter, and popcorn with candy. Now, I will say I, I, I'm glad she didn't have it on here because I do not like a like caramel corn. How do you feel about those tins of the of the caramel? Don't like the it. Cheddar and the regular. I, I mean, am I, I am I, I am regular popcorn or bust. What's regular popcorn? Like no sweetness. Okay. Just butter or no, or no butter. That's what I was going to ask. At the movies, are you going butter or no? I don't usually add the butter. Sometimes I'll add a, just a dab. Do you have to do that yourself now all the time? I forget. Some places you do. Some places you don't. 
I mean, give me a break. Do the butter for me. In all aspects of life, do the butter for me, especially on it toast. It is just, it's too, It's so much on your hands. That's the problem. On toast it's... at a diner, I, you know, I'm uh, so much more likely to eat that toast if you butter it for me. I agree. Oh, yeah. Toast, pre-buttered toast at a diner uh, is one of, life's, one of life's joys. I agree. Uh, I am. I am going to. My... I don't think I've done popcorn with candy. What's that? I guess you like put uh, M and M's in there or something like that. Weren't you tell? I feel like you were telling me. We... No, that's not. This is not a me thing. No, no, that not that you did it. I thought maybe someone. I thought maybe it was your your sister or your wife or someone did that at the movies where they do like half popcorn and then they you know they dump in like uh, M and M's or something in there. No, I don't think so. Wasn't you? Okay, could have been right. Fran. I think yes. I think it may be Fran. I'm gonna nest. I'm gonna nest. No butter. Peck butter. My great candy. You know I'm not a big popcorn guy, but I will probably. Yeah, you just want. You'd rather have a bar. How do you feel about a smart food? Is that no? Is that what I, it's called? I do. I do sometimes enjoy a smart food cheddar popcorn. Now that's a good. My my daughters are all over that, so I have been eating those. That's a nice. Nice treat. It is a nice treat. I, 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 that's the only type of flavored popcorn that I will condone. Although it really makes your, uh, you got to wash your hands right away. You do, and you're definitely going to get some of those, some of those kernels in your gums. And they're all over my car because I was eating that in the car <laughs> yesterday as I went to pick up my daughter. Okay, I will nest the buttered. I guess I will uh, migrate the with candy, and I will peck the regular. Okay. All right, I'm going to close us out with uh, this fantastic link that was sent to us from Nick Field. Uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to read this story. This is going to be a little story time. Okay. Dan Snyder, the American billionaire owner of the Washington National Football League team, is taking delivery of a new super yacht, complete with the world's first floating private IMAX movie theater, at an additional cost of three million dollars. You may think that sailing a 305-foot yacht to the world's most extraordinary locations would be the ultimate luxury experience. However, up-close encounters with penguins on the Galapagos or sharks off the coast of South Africa do not appear to be immersive enough for Snyder. Snyder, a former marketing boss who bought the Washington NFL team in 1999, made a, quote, special and unusual request when ordering his latest superyacht called Lady S from the Dutch boat builder Feedship. He wanted an IMAX. That was his main request. John Bart Voorkool, the chief executive of Feedship's Royal Van Lent Shipyard, told The Guardian this week. Voorkool refused to identify the owner, describing him only as a U.S. billionaire. But The Guardian has since established via several sources that the buyers of the yacht, which is understood to have cost more than $100 million, are Snyder and his wife, Tanya. A, smoke, a spokesperson for Snyder declined to comment. Yada, yada, yada. The couple who, al- who also own a smaller $70 million yacht, super yacht, called Lady Anne, were present when Lady S was launched into the Dutch village of Kog between Amsterdam and The Hague in October. We would like to thank feedship owner John, Vart Ver- John Bart Verkool and everyone at the yard for taking on such an amazing journey, uh, the Snyder said. Well, hold on, let me get to the, the fun part here. Uh, Lady S also features a pair of 8K HDTVs, a helipad, four VIP suites, and facilities that cater to a wide range of sports, including golf, basketball, volleyball, and football. 
The interior of the vessel is described as akin to a beautiful and contemporary jewelry box. Where is the... Uh, a naval architect, Ed Beckett, said that including the IMAX made the build process much more complicated and expensive because the rest of the ship had to be designed to be as quiet as possible so as not to interfere with the movie experience. You couldn't have sound from the IMAX drifting into the cabins next door, and more importantly, you couldn't have the sound of the engines or the vibrations coming into the IMAX. If they did, we would not get the certification from IMAX, and that was the most important thing for the owner. And then there's a little bit more. And the Guardian does a good job in not saying the name of the team. I got to say, I zoned out there. Something about he wanted an IMAX on a yacht? He's got an IMAX theater on his super yacht. Oh, okay. Paid for by uh, $100 of parking at a time. Mm. Well, yeah. I've already stated my case on him, so this seems like another example. Okay. (laughs) I didn't mean to be rude. I was just trying to be honest. You just just are rude. (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. So you get uh, you get a little reprieve from Birds with Friends. Oh, one last yeah. So one last thing I wanted to say was uh, I had a thought on the Southwest boarding process. Oh, that's right. You did have that. Did you have one other thing? No, I think it was I think it was something about Howie that we already uh, okay. covered. Yeah, the attire. Uh, this I feel like you can tell which americans are interested in advancing sort of race relations by where they sit on, on i South totally agree with this <laughs> i mean it's such a it is such a weird process it is if you don't know I don't, if you may not know that southwest is is open boarding you get your you get your uh like queue number and then you go on and you can pick wherever you want to sit but it is such it's such like a schoolyard pick throwback it's very weird yeah, you have you have people that everyone's like staying away from. You know, you have uh, you can kind of you know tell what some people are, or if there's like a little kid, that kind of thing. But you know, I was sitting in the aisle, and uh, you know, we had uh, we had freeway sitting in the window, of course. Mm-hmm. White, you know, a Caucasian gentleman. All right, we went so long unexpectedly that uh, we just ran out of time, but we didn't miss much. Shields about to uh, to tell us what happened as he as the white guy sat down next to him in freeway. Okay, so that part was recorded. That part was recorded. Well, no, I just thought you know he he sat down between me and freeway, and I thought, uh, good job out of you. You you know you're you're interested in sort of advancing the conversation, helping us all live together, <laughs> travel together. Yeah, proud of that guy. I think I I think that that guy was also probably proud of himself. If I if, if I know if I know having been in those shoes, I think he want he wants to uh, be seen as a good guy. He probably you know he he likes to be a good guy. That's probably that's good though. That's that's uh, social pressure for the good. I mean, he could have just walked right past us and said, "I'm not sitting between those two. I mean, he was probably you know he thought me freeway to really cool guys, a lot, lot of sort of street cred. That's you right. Know, he, that was probably part of it. So maybe. This is He's like, oh, there's example. the coolest person on the plane and also freeway. Correct. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I think... Um, now, I also, think to be tell- fair, if he was sitting in a middle seat, he didn't have that many choices. But I was towards the... Yeah, I think I was in, like, the middle of the plane, I believe. But, okay. All right, that's true. So maybe he wasn't a good guy, but that doesn't mean 
that, you know, uh, other people, if you're boarding Southwest, mix it up a little bit. Fly with an Indian today. What's that? Fly with an Indian today. Fly with an Indian, yeah. You know, let's... uh, Let's all do better. So I, I do feel like there are studies to be done about how people board these Southwest flights and where they sit. I think we could, uh, we could tell a lot about where we it are. It is a society. very interesting social experiment. I agree. You think The Athletic would uh, pay us to sort of study that? And, and I, think that'd be a good, I think that would be a good uh, test of like a draft prospect. How do, you, how do you make your decision? Tell me your thought process as you board a Southwest flight. Great interview question at the Combine for teams. I might, I might use that. Okay. Okay. What if they haven't flown Southwest? Well, then I will, I will pivot. Oh, you should, ask them, you should ask them about getting off a plane. Yeah, maybe I'm just going to ask them all about plane etiquette. Oh, my gosh. Outstanding idea. You have to do it. That's a good idea, right? Dude, that's a gr- that is a fantastic idea. As everyone is asking these stupid questions. I want you to come up. With a plane, air, airplane travel only uh, questionnaire and interview the prospects, and we run that on the athletic. And I'm not even kidding in the le- in the least. No, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna actually ask you to help me with come up with the questions. Oh, love it, outstanding. I'm I'm, I, I'm gonna go ahead and promise this for next week at the Senior Bowl. Oh, great! And and these are all guys who you know have have traveled. Um, you know they they've had to be on planes. We know for football. So that's right. Although some of them fl- may be chartered. True. But still. They've had to fly to Mobile, most of them. Most of them, yeah. So, I mean, if they say they haven't been on a plane, that's fine. Then you, you, uh, you pivot. But I would think with most of their athletic achievements, a lot of them probably have. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited about this. I'm so excited. Okay, good. Okay. Well, something, fin- something good finally came out of the podcast. Yeah, well, two years in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. My wife is asking me when I'm going to be finished because I have to go watch my daughter. Okay. See ya. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I, Burns with Friends will be back next week with some content from the Senior Bowl. I believe we will most likely be capodulous, but uh, nevertheless, we persist. Thank you for listening, as always. Fly with an Indian today, and as always, we love you. friends.